0: This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. My name is Stephanie Muscat. I am a registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. Today, I'm joined by my very best friend and honorary sister, Sarah. And I really wanted to have Sarah on the podcast because she lends insight into an aspect that we really haven't covered before, and I've always been very inspired by what she does and how she does it. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Sarah, and then we'll get into it. So Sarah Pludwinski is a registered kinesiologist and certified exercise physiologist with more than 10 years of experience working in both private and public healthcare settings. Currently, she is working at a community health center in East Toronto. Her work primarily focuses on chronic disease prevention and self-management. She specializes in behavior change, providing exercise prescription, and support to help individuals achieve their health and wellness goals. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Just so you all know, Sarah and I have been close since we were two, so it's, it's hard for me to keep the straightest face during this, but I'm smiling right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna try. Um, I'm just so happy to have you here with me today. Uh, So thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about the population that you typically work with and what you do with those individuals?
1: Okay, so what I do? Well, I guess uh, I work with the senior population. So most of the individuals I work with are over the age of, I would say 60. And a lot of the work I do is focused on, um, as you mentioned, exercise and chronic disease self-management. So I work um, with individuals one-on-one. I also run uh, health education groups. Uh, So I run several senior fitness exercise classes. I just finished a group on fall prevention. Um, and in January, I'll be running a whole bunch of groups on arthritis and osteoporosis.
0: Wow. That's, I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, you must have, no, but the reason, the reason I'm saying that is because you must really have expertise in these areas to lead exercise groups of this kind. I imagine that most people, when they think about exercise groups, think about something at the local gym where people are, you know, high impact training, and they're not picturing someone who they may be taking care of or someone they may know um, who is more elderly and has uh, some sort of comorbidity. So I think that's really neat. And let's say when it comes to arthritis, for example, I think a lot of seniors do experience arthritis. What might an exercise program look like that is different? than your typical gym, just so people can get an idea?
1: Yeah, for sure. I guess it depends what kind of arthritis. But, you know, if we go with sort of the one that we hear most about, which is our osteoarthritis, right? Um, You know, we really want to avoid anything that's pounding, right? So we want to sort of think about exercises that are not weight bearing. So thinking about a bike, Uh, thinking about water activities, those are going to be good things, because it's going to put less stress on on the body.
0: Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. And then you would lead those types of groups, like do your clients have to have bikes at home? Or how do how would that work?
1: So again, it depends what population I'm working with and what groups I'm running, but I run like a general exercise class. And so I would provide different modifications. you know, when I think about the needs of the group. So, you know, it can be seated exercises, it could be, okay, if we're going to march right now, you're going to do something else with with your legs. Um, But again, not everyone, or most people are not going to just have one chronic condition, right? Right. So it's looking at all these conditions and what's going to work best for for the group and also for the individual.
0: Right. And you know about these conditions way better than I do. I'm not familiar with, you know, the tips, different types of arthritis or, or anything, which is why <laughs> you're the expert here. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I think what a lot of people will ask and have questions about is how or whether exercise can play a part in prevention of cognitive impairment or slowing down of cognitive impairment, because you see that all over the place, especially on the internet. Do you know of, you know, situations or cases where this is true? And how can that be true?
1: Well, I guess, you know, in terms of what's good for the heart is most likely going to be good for the brain, right? Getting our blood flowing is going to provide more blood to the brain, right? So that's gonna be helpful. And we know with it, we'll say the general population that exercise can help our memory, can help our mood, and can help our our self-esteem, right? So all these positive effects of exercise can definitely help with these types of things, right? So we know um again, it can um be helpful. Does it prevent cognitive decline? We can't say that for sure. But we know it can, you know, potentially slow cognitive decline and also help with our day to day tasks and
0: our memory. And so the research. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to ask. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. Just no, when okay. we're talking about exercise again, I think you know, if it's if it's anything to do with the heart and that impacts the brain, could that just be you know walking around the block or you know engaging in in minimal. Uh, exercise activities, even seated activities? Because I think people might say, well, my loved one can't get up and and do a fitness routine.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's a question I get all the time, I guess, in terms of, I guess, we'll say, the research and brain function, it's specifically looking at aerobic physical exercise. So, So that's really where we're getting the heart rate up, maybe we're sweating a little, maybe we're breathing heavier. But really, we want to encourage everyone to be physically active. And I think the word exercise and physical activity are used interchangeably, but they are different, right? So when we think about physical activity, that's our day-to-day tasks. And those are going to be super important for some of the individuals, um, you know, that are listening to this for your, your clients or your loved ones to be doing. So maybe it's taking the stairs. Maybe it's sitting up and down from your chair. Maybe it's gardening. So those are going to be important activities for individuals to be doing. So less sitting and more moving if if possible.
0: Uh, I forget the other part of your question. Oh, I was at, no. So what I was asking, um, I think you were going to elaborate on what I had first asked, which was um, what the studies say in terms of physical activity and cognitive function. If you you know.
1: Yes, yes so again a lot of the research has been done on healthy um or we'll say the general population i don't want to use the word healthier cuz that's not what i'm trying to say but in terms of physical activity there is a benefit to our brain and our cognition um but again it it looks mostly at the benefits of aerobic exercise
0: okay? what does aerobic again, exercise mean just just
1: so aerobic exercise is something that's continuous, right? It's getting the heart rate up. And really that the goal is to work towards 150 minutes of aerobic activity a week, right? And that, that seems like a lot, but really you can break it down into 10 10 minute steps. And really it's just, again, the first step is starting with wherever you're at and then progressing slowly. I always say, you know, something is better than nothing,
0: Right. Yep, and that's really helpful to know because again, I think there's this conception that exercise has to be like a spin class and it doesn't. And I think right. you know, people are saying, "Well, that's that's a barrier for me. I'm not there's no way I can get my loved one to do that, so forget it." Like we're not even going to go down that road.
1: Right. So, it's thinking, "Okay, if you're thinking about your loved one, what what can they do? Where are they at? And how do we proceed from there?" So, starting with Again, simple tasks, simple movements. We don't want to complicate things, right? So again, okay, what can we
0: do that's going to make you a little more active today? And if let's say that someone is interested in starting a program or their loved one is interested in referring them to a program, I would imagine they would need to start off by making sure with their family physician or other specialized physician that it's okay or what their limitations are and what they can engage in.
1: Yeah, so usually, um, it's better to exercise than to not, right. But of course, if you're dealing with someone who has a variety of conditions, you want to make sure that they're cleared to exercise uh, through their their family doctor. Um, And then, you know, maybe meeting with a kinesiologist, or a physiotherapist, or a trainer that specializes in maybe some of the conditions that they're they're living with. Right. So it, it is individualized. But again, We want to be moving. It doesn't have to be anything, anything fancy, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about someone who maybe recently had a heart attack, right? The first thing they want you to do is move, right? Um, And that's the case with, with most things, not everything, but with most things we want, you know, they want
0: you up and moving. Right. Yeah, it's, it's true. Like even my, my post-operative patients that had orthopedic surgery and hip replacements within a a couple of days are like, Kate. even one day, like, okay, we're getting you up. And they're saying, What yeah. do you mean you're getting me up? I just had a hip replacement. But you've so got okay. to get that moving because you're gonna just get so deconditioned.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so I think that's a really, really good point. And is it family doctors that would have, you know, a roster of kinesiologists, or is there like a website people can refer to? How do people find a kinesiologist or a physiotherapist in their area that might specialize in, in certain conditions?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they can always go to like the the, the College of Kinesiology of Ontario. Um, so we're a newly re- uh, regulated profession. Um, so if you are in Ontario, that's where, that's where you can look. Um, you can ask your doctor if they have anyone that they know. Um, so I work in a community health center. So I get referrals from physicians internally and also from the community. Um, There's also some, you know, great websites, if you think of someone, you know, maybe who has cancer, right, referring them to Wellspring, um, or the Alzheimer's Society, um, you know, they have really good resources on
0: on those websites. Okay, so the Alzheimer's Society might have, you know, information on where you can access these programs. Yes, exactly. So they should have a list
1: of, of programs that might might be helpful for the individual you're caring for.
0: Yeah, a lot of our listeners are also in the states. So I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. you know, where they might go. Is is kinesiology um do they have a college? I am sure every state would have their own mandates, but I don't know. So
1: it's not from what I know, it's not too it's not regulated mm-hmm. in the states. I could be wrong. I should know this, but I, I don't. Um but they're, again there's still you know physiotherapists there's still kinesiologists they might not be registered um and again personal trainers so again depending on you know what the person is is dealing with you would want to uh, refer appropriately
0: that's really helpful and i think another question that would be asked is Let's say, you know, I'm scared of what's happening in the world right now, and I want to engage in exercise, or I want my loved one to engage in exercise, but they're going to do it virtually. So how can I prevent, you know, some, some sort of bad thing from happening, whether it be, you know, an injury or a fall or something like that? How can I prevent that in my home if someone is on the computer, you know, and that's a fear that people would have?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So of course, you just want to make sure the space that you're using is is clear, right? It doesn't need to be a big space. But you want to make sure there's nothing the person can trip over, first of all. So you want a clear space, a well lit room. Um, You know, if they're in a wheelchair, then they're seated. But if they're standing, making sure they have their walker nearby or a chair nearby for balance. Um, and then you know, if you are the caregiver, maybe watching some of the exercise videos beforehand to make sure that it looks appropriate for for uh, for your loved one, right? And thinking about gentle movements. so we don't want to do like you said like a high intensity
0: workout. We know that's not going to be um,
1: appropriate,
0: right? Yeah, And if someone has let's say you know a middle stage dementia, I think people should know that they can still engage in exercise. And they can still follow the motions, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. So, in terms of someone living with dementia, right, and most other chronic conditions, you're still able to exercise, right? Um, so, whether it's doing the movement slowly, whether it's repeating the movements, it's helpful to put on music that maybe brings them back, you know, positive memories. Um, maybe it's doing dance moves from, you know, when they were young. Um, so, really, they can still uh, engage. It just might look a little, little bit different.
0: Yeah. And making it fun, I think is really important.
1: Right. Exactly. It's, you know, making it fun because if, for instance, someone told me, oh, you know, you need to go for a run. I'd be like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Right. I don't like running. So you want to make sure it's something that, that they enjoy. That's going to be important because then they're more likely to, to stick with it. Right. And have fun.
0: Yeah, and it could even be part of their daily routine, right? And and something to look forward to and something that's part of part of their, I guess, schedule if people have a schedule or or whatever that might look like. But I like that because I know you and I had talked about this pandemic being so isolating for so many people, but something that a lot of your group members would look forward to uh, and you know, elderly group members while they were isolated were these exercise programs, because that allowed them to have a routine and a connection.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the social connection has been been a big part of, you know, seeing some of their friends, seeing other people, knowing that, you know, they're not alone, even though it might feel very lonely. And I also, it gives an opportunity for individuals to get get creative, right? Okay, I don't have weights, but I have a can of soup. Let's use that. Um, and really, knowing that you don't need anything fancy to exercise, really, your body is is your machine, right? And I know that sounds a little cliche, but but that's the truth, right. All you need is your body, so you know, sort of thinking about all those barriers, but really, you just need your
0: body so if somebody has had a heart attack um and i and they're worried, oh my gosh, if my loved one exercises their their heart's going to go into some sort of an arrest or you know that's a very common fear but that's not true right in 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 respect to like making sure that you're doing it in a balanced fashion and in a monitored fashion
1: yeah so like i said before moving is better than not especially when it comes to a heart attack so most people you know are referred to cardiac rehab whether they go or not that's that's a whole other story um but again doing things gradually right and slowly and just monitoring you know um so they might you might monitor their heart rate you might ask them you know checking in how are you feeling on a scale of one to ten how's your breathing so just checking in with um with your loved one I think is important and encouraging them to move right we don't want to put that that fear in them that moving you know isn't going to be helpful because we know we know it is yeah
0: right this was really insightful and and very helpful and i think will really open up a lot of listeners' eyes to the world of exercise that might look very differently than what they may have thought previously is there anything else that you would add in this realm for for caregivers or anyone that might be interested in pursuing an exercise program
1: i guess the biggest thing is you want to make sure that you know you and your loved one are safe right so making sure that you're doing things safely right and then of course you know taking care of your loved one and of course yourself right we all need to be moving and that's really the most important thing
0: thanks sarah i appreciate it thank Thank you thank you thank you listening to caregivers compass if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us a review your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it i'm stephanie muscat have an uplifting day and i'll see you next time